Hey folks, Andy Patton here on the final WCC Wednesday of the regular season. I'm going to give my WCC awards in the first two segments and make some predictions for this week's game, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. And for those of you who have checked out the show on YouTube and hit that subscribe button, if you have not already, I know you are a listener to the show because you are hearing this right now. So go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, hit that subscribe button. I really, really appreciate the opportunity for to grow both the podcast network and the YouTube channel as well. So thank you to those of you who have checked them both out. Today is WCC Wednesday and the Zags and most of the rest of the teams in the conference only have two conference games remaining before we head to Las Vegas for the WCC tournament. It is a very wild week of of games, not just because it's senior night for a lot of schools and the last opportunity to see some really, really talented players in the WCC, but also because there are significant tournament implications more so than there have ever been in the final week of the WCC season as well. Of course, Gonzaga playing San Francisco and St. Mary's two Really talented teams vying for NCAA tournament spots, so Gonzaga has an opportunity to help and hurt those opportunities for those two schools. Uh, obviously, San Diego is playing both those schools as well, so they, they need to pick up wins in those games. BYU's got a couple tough games on the schedule as well and is looking to find a way to add another game to their schedule. The recent report that I saw this morning as I'm recording this is that they are attempting to get a game against Kansas State, which would help them obviously add a nice game to their schedule, potentially pick up a really big tournament caliber win if they're able to beat Kansas State it would help their case to be a bubble team if if they can continue to win the rest of their BYU, the, excuse me the rest of their WCC games as well so we'll see how that shakes out for today obviously a couple of games left but I wanted to give a full look at my award predictions slash who I would pick so not necessarily what I think the WCC is going to do but who I would pick uh, the first segment here we're going to go over my picks for WCC first team second team and honorable mention as well as all WCC freshman team I just went with the same number of players that they did last year there was 10 guys on the first team five guys on the second team and eight players listed as honorable mentions uh, and then five on the freshman team so we'll just go through them here right now uh, for the WCC first team not a surprise. We're starting out with three Zags, Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren, Andrew Nempard. Plenty of words coming later in the podcast about both Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, who are taking home other awards from the WCC as well, but very obvious choices here. The two big men are some of the leading scorers in the conference, most efficient players, not only in the WCC, but in the country. A huge, huge part of why Gonzaga has ran through the WCC, even though the WCC is a much improved conference from what it has been, even in recent years, but definitely uh, in previous seasons in Gonzaga's history. Nempard, another very obvious choice. Choice, one of the best point guards in the country, Bob Cousy Award finalist. His play was a little bit shaky in the non-conference, uh, particularly in that kind of bad stretch that Gonzaga had against Tarleton State and Alabama and Mary Mack and, and those schools in there. But 
since conference play has started, Nampart has been incredible. One of the best assist-to-turnover ratios in the entire country. Nine assists in the first half in the game a few days ago. Just an incredible jaw-dropping performance from Nempard is solidifying himself as one of the best point guards in Gonzaga history, something that I'm not sure. We all knew he was good. We knew he was had the chance to be very, very good, but I'm not sure how many of us thought we'd be having these conversations about him being the best point guard in Gonzaga history, but he has played at that level these last few months. Next couple guys, uh, Jamari Bouye was the next very obvious choice for me. Extraordinarily talented player from San Francisco. Numbers have dropped a tiny bit recently, but still one of the highest scorers in the conference. And just the best player on arguably the second best team in the conference. And that is arguable. You could say it's St. Mary's lately. Santa Clara has been playing extremely well. But throughout the season, San Francisco has been consistently very, very good. One of the 40 best teams in the country per Ken Palm, per net, and a lot of other rating systems as well. Uh, Never quite snuck into the top 25, and they're still a borderline tournament team because they're a a mid-major without a a solid reputation. So any losses get magnified for them. They're likely, I don't want to say guaranteed, but if Gonzaga defeats them on Thursday, that's another loss on their resume. Not a bad loss, but a loss nonetheless. But Bouye very clearly has earned his spot on this team. He is not the only Don from San Francisco to be on this team. I also included Yuhen Misalski, who is having a remarkable season, transferred from San Diego, where he wasn't playing all that much. For him to transfer into the WCC, stay in the conference, and become one of the 10 best players in the conference is a remarkable turnaround. He's one of the most efficient scorers in the country, higher field goal percentage than Drew Timmy in conference play this year. So that's certainly an eyebrow-raising number, one of the best rebounders, a good shot blocker and defensive player as well absolutely deserves his spot on this list. So five guys down, three from Gonzaga, two from San Francisco. Beyond that, of course, Alex Barcelo from BYU, the only representative from the Cougars on the first team, which is kind of a part of BYU's problem. Alex Barcelo is very, very good. The rest of the team really hasn't done enough around him this season, which is why we saw them go through that really disastrous stretch in the middle of conference play when they lost to Pacific, lost to Santa Clara, uh, got pounded by Gonzaga, and just really struggled. But Barcelo, one of the best three-point shooters in the entire country, a very, very good lead guard, good defensive player, really tough out. Uh, he's, He's a really challenging player to defend and absolutely deserves a spot on this list. Uh, next up, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Jalen Williams, I've talked about him a handful of times on this podcast last week when I had Asher Lowe, the guest on the show, who is the Pepperdine PA announcer. He came on. He talked a lot about Jalen Williams as well. A uh, future NBA player without a doubt in my mind. He's really talented, well-built, physical guard who can shoot from the outside, can get to the rim, can convert from the free throw line, growing as a defensive player. Uh, he he exploded this year for Santa Clara. I think there were some rumblings that, hey, he's probably going to have a pretty good year here, but he is he has been an absolute menace this season. It has been really fun to see his development. There's always guys like this in the WCC, just really, really talented guards on other teams. This year between Bouye and Barcelo and Jalen Williams, uh, they're not just good guards who are going to have nice careers in Europe. They're potential NBA caliber guards, and I think that's a good sign of the growth of the WCC. Last couple of guys, Eli Scott 
from LMU. LMU was a big disappointment this season on the whole. Uh, Stan Johnson did not have his best coaching season. The team disappointed from where they were preseason expectations were. But Eli Scott, one of the best scorers in the conference, I believe he's third in the WCC in scoring uh, about 17 or so per game. Great rebounder, good passer, kind of fills that Draymond Green role for LMU and and filled it really well this season. Disappointed uh, for him that he came back uh, for another year and kind of didn't get the results that he wanted, but still absolutely deserving to be on this list. Last two guys, Tyler Robertson, from the University of Portland, Robertson. I'll talk about him a little bit more later as well. Uh, but a, a do-it-all kind of guard forward for Shantae Leggins at UP, transfer from Eastern Washington, came in, averaged 15 points per game, having a, a really remarkable season for the upstart pilots. And then last but not least, I had a hard time with this final spot on this team. I think there are a lot of different ways to go here. I think those first nine, I don't want to say they're solidified, but I think it's pretty hard to argue against any of those first nine players listed. But this 10th tenth, tenth spot could go a lot of different ways ways. I selected San Diego forward guard forward Marcellus Erlington. Erlington's averaging 13.5 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game, 1.2 assists per game. He has the highest usage rate in the WCC. So he's the most used player in the entire conference for a team that exceeded expectations in the Toreros. 14 points, 6.5 rebounds per game. This is a very talented player. Now, his field goal percentage isn't great, but again, super high usage. You can kind of expect that that's going to be a bit of a challenge for him. Uh, I Again, I tossed around a lot. Everybody <laughs> who made the WCC second team, which we'll get to in a second, I considered them strongly for a spot on the first team. But I ultimately think, you know, you want to give it to a, a team like San Diego deserves to have somebody on the first team. They exceeded expectations this year. Erlington's very obviously the candidate here. So I think he deserves a spot on this team. WCC second team won't go into quite as much detail about everybody for this one, but obviously we'll start with the Gonzaga player. That would be Julian Strother, who I think strongly deserves a candidate, is a strong candidate to be a first teamer as well. Again, I leaned Erlington for that spot, but Strother's having an incredible season, frequently leads the Zags in scoring, a great rebounder, a developing defensive player as well. Chris Austin from the University of Portland, again, kind of Tyler Robertson's right-hand man, another outstanding scorer, lead guard caliber player. Jan Zedek from Pepperdine, veteran guy, been around for quite a while, having a really nice season on a team full of freshmen that's kind of rebuilding and redeveloping. He's been a constant presence for them. Matthias Toss, the first player from St. Mary's on this list. It was surprising to me that I couldn't really find room for a St. Mary's player on the first team, despite the fact that St. Mary's is you know top 25 team in the country, but they're a very balanced team. Uh, Toss is, I think, the best player on that team or the most impactful player for them. Great rebounder, good low post score, good defensive player as well. And then the last spot here, another one that I really struggled with uh, who to put here and who to leave on the honorable mention list. I ended up going with Keyshawn Justice from Santa Clara. Keyshawn Justice is a 45% three-point shooter who averages over seven rebounds per game. I remember during the broadcast of the Gonzaga game, they talked about how there are very, very few players in the NCAA who average over seven rebounds and shoot 45% from three. Justice is one of them. The Broncos are not at the point that they are this successful of a season. Without him, he's been a huge piece of that, and I think he deserves a spot on the second team here. And then honorable mention, we'll go through these guys kind of quick. Uh, Like I said, I picked eight because that's how many they picked last year, but it also just felt like the right number of guys to earn this award. Uh, Two Gonzaga players, Rasir Bolton and Anton Watson. Uh, That gives the Zags six players between these three teams, six of their eight players, leaving off Nolan Hickman and 
Hunter Salas, who are among the rotation players on the team. Bolton and Watson, obviously very deserving of this kind of award. Uh, Moses Wood from Portland, who I was really close to picking over Keith John Justice for second team. I think either of them could deserve that spot. Wood is a transfer forward from UNLV having a really nice year for the pilots. Khalil Shabazz from San Francisco. Uh, you know, you need more Dons on this list because they've had such a great season. Shabazz has been a little inconsistent. He's a bad outside shooter and sometimes kind of disappears from games. But when he's on, he helps make this team really, really good. PJ Pipes from Santa Clara is next. Their starting point guard. He missed a few games earlier in the year with an injury, which really hampered the Broncos in the non-conference slate. When he's playing, he's a great facilitator. We all saw against Gonzaga last week. He was their best player on that during that game on a team with Jalen Williams and Keyshawn Justice and Parker Braun. Pipes was the best player on that team, and he really looked like it. The Zags needed to put Hunter Salas on him in order to shut him down. And so when you can do that to Gonzaga, you certainly deserve a spot on this list. Uh, Tommy Cousy. From St. Mary's, Cousy's had a bit of an odd year, ended up getting relegated to the bench for a while because he wasn't wasn't really contributing much in the starting lineup. Still finished the season averaging, or is at this point in the season, close to finishing the season, averaging about 11.5 points per game, shooting it well from three. Uh, really good at getting to the rim, really good at breaking down defenses. Uh, a talented player on a team that uh, has a lot of talented players, but just didn't didn't have a lot of guys who got hardware this year, at least on my list, but uh, certainly a team that, that is doing a lot of damage. Uh, and then the last two Two spots, Jeremiah Bailey from Pacific. Uh, we need need somebody to represent the Tigers. Bailey, very, very talented player, averaging over 11 points per game. And last but not least, Tejan Lucas from BYU, their starting point guard. Again, BYU has been so singularly dominated by Alex Barcelo and his performances this year. But Lucas, averaging over four assists per game, one of the best passers in the entire conference, definitely deserves at least a shout on the honorable mention team. And finally... The five players I'm picking for the all-freshman team before we move on to the individual awards in the second segment. Uh, Without a doubt, all-freshman team, first player, Chet Holmgren, (laughs) indisputable, won basically every award for all-freshman, or excuse me, for WCC Freshman of the Week, one of the most talented freshmen freshmen in the entire country, so obviously deserves a spot on this team. Uh, Nolan Hickman also makes this team as well, two zags on this squad. Uh, Hickman averaging six points coming off the bench, uh, you know, has has not had as much of a scoring impact the last few weeks for the Zags, but still having a very, very nice season and going to be an extremely good player for the Zags in time. Uh, two players from Pepperdine, Houston Millette and Mike Mitchell Jr. Millette obviously had a remarkable game against Gonzaga earlier last week. Uh, scored 25 points. Not a super efficient night from him, but proved why he is one of the best scorers in the conference and going to be a problem for WCC teams over the next couple of seasons. Mike Mitchell is their starting point guard, averaging over four assists per game, which is pretty impressive for a true freshman, especially on a team that isn't scoring a lot of points uh, and has a lot of other freshmen on the roster. Millette and Mitchell are going to be a really good backcourt duo for the Pepperdine Waves for the next couple of years, assuming they stay together. And last but not least, the final player selected for the WCC freshman team is Fusini Traore from BYU, their big man who stepped into a much bigger role after the injury to Gavin Baxter and Richard Harward. Traore is one of the best rebounders in the conference. I believe he's averaging eight and a half rebounds per game, an efficient low post score, big body dude. As he gets a little less raw and a little bit more refined as a basketball player, he's going to be very, very good. All right, team awards. Are done in the second segment. We're going to come back. We're going to look through the individual awards and my picks for each of those. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bill Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. 
I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the very first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all of the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Andy Patton here to introduce our new sponsor, Homefield. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, offering incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield is kicking off Big New Saturday Season 3, where they launch a new school on their site every Saturday for eight weeks straight. Gonzaga was Week 2. Homefield dug through the archives and history of Gonzaga to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful decisions for Zag fans and they launched the Gonzaga Collection on January 29th. The Zags Collection has 14 pieces of apparel in the collection, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks. It's all vintage. The designs are incredible. I have three pieces myself. I wish I had all of the 11 other ones because they are all phenomenal designs, super comfortable clothing, unique designs. This is stuff you need before March Madness. You're going to want to be wearing this during the NCAA tournament. I promise you that. The good news is new customers can get 15% off their first purchase from Homefield using code LOCKEDONZAGS at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags, still going through WCC award season. We got two games left for most of the teams in the conference, so it's a good chance to look at the WCC awards get an opportunity to see who we think might take take home some hard way this year. We talked about all of the team awards in the first segment. Now we're going to look at some of the individual player awards, starting with the WCC Player of the Year. My pick for that award, drum roll please, Drew Timmy. Now, I don't think this is a particularly controversial take. I think the primary candidate for this award that's not Drew Timmy is Drew Timmy's front court mate, Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren has some other awards that he's going to win potentially as well. Uh, the WCC Player of the Year often goes to a veteran guy. It rarely goes to freshmen. Last year went to Corey Kispert as opposed to going to Jalen Suggs, which was an arguable, you know, a, a reasonable argument to make there. But I think here you look at a similar situation. You're going to go with the veteran guy in Drew Timmy. Timmy also leads the conference in points per game, which is not the most necessarily the most important stat, but it's usually the first one people look at. And Drew Timmy is first in that category. He's ninth in the conference in rebounds at 6.3 per game. His 59.6 field goal percentage at this point is third behind Chet Holmgren and Johan Misalski from San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I think you got to go Drew here. Uh, you know, it's going to be a zag almost certainly. Somebody else would have to have really popped this season for it to not go to a zag. Drew Timmy's kind of the leader of the Gonzaga team. Statistically, he's one of the most accomplished players in the conference. Uh, he's still a national player of the year candidate. Kind of, kind of a no-brainer here. 
Honorable mentions in my mind, obviously Chet Holmgren. We talked about him. Beyond him, I think the only other two players who deserve a, a, a look for consideration would be Jalen Williams from Santa Clara and Jamari Bouye from the University of San Francisco. Next up, WCC Defensive Player of the Year. Not a huge mystery here. We're going with Chet Holmgren. Chet is one of the best defensive players in the entire country. He's an elite shot blocker, an elite rim protector. He is a good lateral movement defensive player away from the rim, something that he doesn't get a lot of credit for because he doesn't do it very often because Gonzaga can usually keep him under the basket, even if there are teams doing high pick-and-roll actions. Uh, His plus-minus leads the conference. His defensive win shares lead the conference. His efficiency numbers are first in the conference. Uh, Obviously, he's the best shot blocker in the conference, uh, arguably best shot blocker in the nation. Uh, In my mind, this is a no-brainer here. Chet Holmgren is your defensive player of the year. Uh, Honorable mentions go to Logan Johnson at St. Mary's, who leads the conference in steals. Uh, Terrell Brown, big man from San Diego, who also averages about two and a half blocks per game and is a very good rebounder. Uh, Jamari Bouye and Yuhen Masalski from San Francisco, both very good defensive players. Bouye, I think, doesn't get enough credit for how good he is on the defensive end of the floor. He's not just a 20-point type scorer on offense. He's also a very, very good defensive player. And I tossed Anton Watson onto the list as well. Didn't play enough minutes to really register on a lot of the stats that would get the attention to be a potential defensive player of the year. But Watson, we we know as Gonzaga fans watching him play, he's a complete menace. Uh, he's really, really good around the rim. Even though he's not a great rim protector, he's good at holding, using his body and still playing good defense down there. He's really good on the perimeter. He's got active hands. He's great at, at traps. Uh, he uses his body really well. He's, he's a phenomenal defensive player. Next up, WCC Newcomer of the Year. Now, I struggle with this one a little bit. I don't think Chet Holmgren is going to take home two awards. I don't think the WCC is going to do it. I don't know if they have a policy specifically stating that they will not do that, but I think it's kind of common courtesy to not do that. You could reasonably argue for Chet Holmgren being player of the year, defensive player of the year, and newcomer of the year. But what fun is that? (laughs) I think it's reasonable for the WCC to spread the love here a little bit. And in this case, not only are they not giving the newcomer of the year award to Chet Holmgren, they wouldn't even give it to a Zag. In my mind, the newcomer of the year award, if it doesn't go to Chet Holmgren, goes to Tyler Robertson from the University of Portland. Robertson transferred from Eastern Washington. He followed Coach Shantae Leggins to the bluff to be with the Pilots. He is sixth in the conference in scoring, uh, first among newcomers, higher points per game than Chet Holmgren. He's averaging 15.1 per game. He is 10th in the conference in rebounds at 6.3 per game. And he is fourth in the conference in assists at 4.4 per game. So sixth in scoring, fourth in assists, 10th in rebounds. That is pretty dang good for a newcomer in the conference. Obviously not a freshman. He's in his third collegiate season. Uh, Robertson had a 30-point triple-double earlier this season, for folks who don't remember that. I can't remember who they were playing. I think it was Pepperdine. I'm not sure. But he had 31 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. A phenomenal game from him. He is a really balanced scorer. He's a good, really balanced player. He's obviously a very good scorer. He can shoot from the outside. He can score around the rim. He's a good rebounder. He's a good distributor. Just a really, really talented player who who doesn't get a ton of love outside of the WCC. It's understandable. Portland, obviously, while they made a lot of strides in the conference, and we'll talk about that in a second, they're not still a nationally relevant team, so their players are not going to get a lot of love outside of that. But Robertson is a really, really talented basketball player who's got a very bright future ahead of him. And if this award, like I said, is not going to go to Chet, it absolutely deserves to go to Robertson. 
honorable mentions here, obviously Chet, uh, Marcellus Erlington from San Diego. I talked about him a little earlier. Uh, Moses Wood and Chris Austin, also both from the University of Portland. Uh, Rasir Bolton certainly deserves to be in this conversation as well. And Houston Millette, the star freshman guard from Pepperdine. And then finally, the last award, one of the potentially most controversial ones, which is why I saved it for the end, the WCC Coach of the Year. Now, this award really depends on what you think the Coach of the Year qualifications are. If you believe the Coach of the Year is the coach who won the most games, then this should just be called the Mark Few Coach of the Year Award because the Zags are always going to win the most games in the WCC. That does not mean that Mark Few should be excluded from winning this award, obviously there are many instances where he was the best coach in the conference, and it is indisputable. This year, there was a lot of really good coaching performances. And so for me, when I look at this award, I'm looking at which coach made the biggest impact on his team's record. That is not a easily definable thing. If it was, we would have coaching metrics, we would have all this data on coaches, we wouldn't have very many bad coaching hires because people would have more information about the decisions that they're making, but none of that exists. Mark Few coached the hell out of this team this year. They were a team full of freshmen, they struggled a little bit earlier in the year, he got them rolling at the right time. Great coaching job from Mark Few, but he's not my winner this year. If I was picking a winner for WCC Coach of the Year, I am giving that award to Shantae Leggins at the University of Portland. He proved definitively what kind of impact he can have. In one season, his first season after the Terry Porter era, he won more games in conference play than Terry did in his career, multi-year career, coaching the Portland Pilots. He turned over an entire roster, brought in high-level transfers like Robertson, like Wood, like Chris Austin. Again, no, no scholarship players from last year's team were on this team for the Pilots this year. Zero. To do that and turn this team into a better team, a team that beat San Francisco, a team that beat San Diego, a team that Santa Clara straight up ducked because they did not want to play them. They canceled a game against them because they were like, eh, it's a rematch. We, I just, we just don't want to play it. It hurts our chances of making the NCAA tournament because we might lose. For Shantae to turn a team around that quickly... I cannot imagine not voting for him. I get it. Mark Few won a ton of games. He deserves to be a consideration. Even if you're not on the Mark Few train necessarily, you can make very strong arguments for Todd Golden. This San Francisco team, you know, for the first time, they've been really considered as a potentially nationally ranked team since Bill Russell was there in the 50s. Like, this is a team that's going to likely make the NCAA tournament. It's not a guarantee. But if they do make the NCAA tournament, it'll be the first time in a really long time. It's hard to not give consideration to him. Frankly, Randy Bennett deserves some conversation. This team struggled last year. It's basically the same roster. He turned them around to a top 20 team, top 25 team uh, in the AP poll, top 20 team per Ken Palm at this point, a team that is probably going to get a top seven seed in the NCAA tournament that most years Randy Bennett would win coach of the year if he turned St. Mary's into a six-seeded team. But this year he's kind of behind Mark Few, potentially behind Shantae Leggins, Todd Golden's in that conversation, Herb Sendek. At Santa Clara, turning the Broncos into a team that, had they not had some early season injuries, would potentially be in the NCAA tournament. He deserves to be in the conversation as well. And Sam Scholl at the University of San Diego. They're, they're having a good year down south in San Diego. The Toreros are good. I, I don't think Scholl is going to be a serious candidate here, but he deserves a shout-out. I would give the award to Shante Leggins. I think it's reasonable to argue for few, of course. It's very reasonable to argue for Golden and Bennett, and there are arguments out there for Herb Sendek and Sam Scholl as well. A competitive award this year, 
I would kind of like to see somebody other than Mark Few win it, not because I don't think Mark Few was good, not because I don't think Mark Few was probably the best coach in the WCC. I think that's very, very true. <laughs> I don't think there's I don't think there's much argument against that necessarily, but there was a lot of really good coaching performances this season that I think it'd be cool to see somebody else, particularly Shante and the Pilots uh, get 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 this award because they had such a good season and I think it'd be nice for them to take home some hardware at the end of the year. All right, third segment, going to come back, going to look at some games going on in the WCC this week, make some predictions. The last time I get to do that this week before we get into the WCC tournament in Las Vegas. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking WCC hoops for the final regular season WCC Wednesday of the year. We're going to make predictions for how the games are going to shake out this season. Haven't done this in a few weeks, so don't have super updated numbers, but uh, hopefully we can have another solid week of making these predictions. Thursdays, got a solid four-game slate outside of, of course, the Gonzaga versus San Francisco game. We're kicking things off with LMU at BYU. This is a must-win game for the Cougars. Every game from here on out for Mark Pope's team is a must-win game. If BYU drops this game, if they drop their game on Saturday, who they are playing, Pepperdine, if they lose to Pepperdine, if they lose to LMU, even if they lose to Kansas State, if they find a way to get that game on the schedule, that is probably curtains for them and their chances to make the NCAA tournament. Quite frankly, they could beat LMU, beat Pepperdine, beat Kansas State, and if they don't win a game in the WCC tournament, that's probably still curtains for them. They're right on the edge, really thin spot to be right now. Having said that, I think they're going to take care of business at home on Thursday against a struggling LMU Lions team. Next up, St. Mary's at San Diego. I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk for Randy Bennett's team. San Diego is good. They have some talented players. We talked about Erlington. Terrell Brown's a, a, a big man with good shot blocking ability down low. Uh, I think St. Mary's going to take care of business even on the road against the Toreros. They need to win. Again, they have a little bit more cushion than BYU, but a loss to San Diego. Even though San Diego's a decent team, it's still, I believe, a quad three loss. You just you, you can't do that at this stage in the season and expect to still make the NCAA tournament. So this is a big game for the Gales. Next up, Portland at Pacific. I think on the road for the Pilots, I still think they take care of business. Pacific is just not very good this year. They haven't played particularly well. Uh, Portland, obviously with Wood and with Austin and Tyler Robertson, have been playing really good basketball lately. Shante seems to really have this team where they where he wants them to be. I think they're going to go head out on the road and take a, pick up a victory here against the Tigers. And the final game on Thursday, Santa Clara at Pepperdine. Santa Clara is just too good. Jalen Williams, PJ Pipes, Parker Bryant, they're, they're just a really, really talented team. And Pepperdine is seeming to kind of find their footing a little bit more so than they have in the past. Uh, they're, they're freshmen. You know, they're, they're healthy now. They're playing pretty well together. Uh, I think that they might give them a little bit of a run, give them a bit of a game, especially at home. But I think Santa Clara is just overwhelmingly a better basketball team, and, and that's talent wins out most of the time. And I think they're going to take a win there. 
All right, moving on to the four-game slate on Saturday. Again, this does not include Gonzaga's game against St. Mary's. Uh, San Francisco at San Diego, first game. This is a tough week for the Toreros. They host both St. Mary's and San Francisco. Uh, it would be nice if they could pick up a win in their final two home games of the regular season. Unfortunately, I just do not think that they're going to. San Francisco needs needs this game. If, if we assume they're losing to Gonzaga on Thursday, they cannot lose to San Diego. That's it. That's curtains for them, without a doubt in my mind. If they lose both of their final two games this week, I think they're done. If they lose to Gonzaga, if they beat San Diego, if they pick up a win in the WCC tournament, now we're talking about a team that's probably going to be on the right side of the bubble conversation come Selection Sunday, but this needs to be a win for them. So unfortunately for San Diego, I think they're dropping their final two games of the regular season, but it's a nice service for them to provide because it helps keep the the, the dream of at least a three-bit WCC alive. If San Diego picks up a win in either of these two games, it probably has a pretty significant impact on the ability of this conference to put multiple teams into the NCAA tournament. Next up, Portland at Santa Clara. Uh, I don't think Shantae is going to take this one. Uh, it's a nice road trip for them at Pacific at Santa Clara. A split, a one-on-one split is a pretty good result for them. But yeah, again, the Broncos are just too good. They're going to take care of Santa Clara at home. It's it's senior night. It's the final night in the you know in their home arena for a lot of really talented players on this team. I, I just I don't think that they're going to to have enough of a lull that they're going to lose to the Pilots. Next up, Pacific at LMU, uh, a particularly unexciting game going down in the WCC. These are probably the two teams uh, that I have the least interest in watching. Uh, no disrespect to Eli Scott or Jeremiah Bailey or the, those two teams in particular. Just not a lot of fun basketball going on in those two games. Uh, it's senior night, Eli Scott. It's his final year in a LMU uniform. Going to be a nice moment for him, and I think that he's going to lead that team to victory. And the final game of the WCC slate on Saturday, Pepperdine at BYU. Senior night for the Cougars. The place is going to be packed. Final game for potentially a handful of players on that BYU roster. And BYU has everything to lose. They cannot lose this game. So I think they're going to go out and win. I think Pepperdine can make it interesting. Uh, Millette is such a talented player. Mike Mitchell's really coming into his own as well. Maxwell Lewis is a talented freshman as well. I, I think they have the ability to make things interesting. If Jan Zedek has a nice game down low, they don't have a lot of depth. BYU doesn't have a lot of depth to defend him. Uh, but I think BYU is going to take care of business. I don't think they lose at home on senior night with their, with their season hanging in the balance. I think Mark Pope and his team find a way to get a victory there. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got a lot more coming up later this week. Andy Locks on Thursday, a review of the San Francisco game and a preview of the Santa, uh, excuse me, St. Mary's game on Friday's show, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. Search youtube.com, look for Locked On Zags, hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Finally, thank you to those of you who have made this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!